and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Lucy Chamberlain. And me, Saul Walker. Now that autumn is making itself known to us, it seems a natural time to reflect on times past and look forward to new ventures ahead. So, with that in mind, we'd like to give a nod to these recent few months by simultaneously embracing what lies in front of us, both practically and at our respective gardens, and by assessing how this exciting industry that we've decided to devote our professional lives to is evolving and thriving. So many of us are showing this sector's true grit by quietly propagating new stock, dreaming up fresh initiatives, looking to new ways of working and generally supporting the trade. And our aim via this podcast is to muse on developments and showcase these horticultural heroes. We'll bring you two short 20-minute episodes each week, plus a longer bonus monthly interview. What more of a reason do you need to join us on this journey? Let's once again step into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Heads. Now, it's a bit different, this episode, because, well, it's not so different. There's still me and Lucy, but one of us has just won a very special award, haven't we? And it means that at least one of us now knows what we're talking about on this podcast. Hey, <laughs> come on, Lucy, explain it all. Explain oh, what God. you want. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very flattered and uh, chuffed to have been... Uh, listed as the practical journalist of the year uh, in the garden media guild awards i know i'm oh i've never never won um before in the categories i've been a finalist before which is in itself a lovely feeling and i was a finalist this year and i thought well that's great because i could see the other people that have been nominated and, and in that final list and then and then I won and I'm still in shock so <laughs> you can probably tell from my voice I'm I'm in shock I'm just amazed and and very very um very very chuffed and and grateful to, to the judges and wow you know and to everyone who said thank to well done and and congratulations thank you very very much I'm trying to catch up with all those congratulations because um it's it's taking a while to to thank everyone individually but i will do my darndest to say to appreciate that so you're being, you're being very you. uh modest and bashful lucy it's it's amazing <laughs> amazing accolade and i've known you for many years now and lucy writes some really she writes a lot for a lot of magazines and she's an incredible horticulturist i know oh. I, we call i call her the queen of veg she is very very good at what she does and I just think it's a really well-deserved reward and, um, you know, about time, in my in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions. So, you know, well done. Oh, thank you, Saul. That's very, that's very kind of you. That's very kind. I'm, I'm blushing, so we need to move on. <laughs> well, your, your <laughs> cheeks have gone a nice rosy red, and that sort of links into what we're going to be talking about today. Oh. I'm, I'm getting the, I tell you, that is I, slick. That's I'm very slick. I'm getting the slick. links in here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure most of you, I, I know we're we're still in lockdown here in the UK and uh, in many places around the world, but hopefully most of you have got out in the autumn to go and enjoy all the autumn scenery because it's been a reasonable year for autumn colour, hasn't it? Do you know it has? I've still got some in my garden hanging on. I've got, um, I won't mention the name because I think you're touching on it later, but there's some plants that are um, really going out all blazing. So... Yeah, and I think we did have some winds that put stop yeah. to things in Essex. I don't know about you. That that it, with with autumn colour, if you get those lovely still cool nights and then warm sunny days, that's when you get the most amazing amazing displays that last for weeks and weeks, which is brilliant. And then other years you do get a bit of a, a more of a fleeting display. And this year, like you say, was was fantastic up until um, 
the wind and then yes it was came in about the end of october didn't it um we had um that's right a couple yeah. of storms came through and just blew yes. some of the leaves off before that the 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 color was developing really nicely and and the one thing with color is that uh, it does develop over a certain period of time there are some uh, trees or shrubs that color up quite quickly uh, and are over mm. quite quickly um, things like amelanchia i'm thinking our cornus mass go quite a nice color quite early and then they'll drop their leaves and there are some things that mm. will hold on to the leaves for ages my liquid ambers my two very big liquid ambers at stonelands are still uh full of leaf and still oh. bright red they stand they really do stand out at the moment because the rest of the leaves Lovely have gone trees. but it's it's nice to see yeah. the the liquid ambers. I'm envious that you have mature specimens of those at Stonelands. They are mm. for me when it, if with a large garden. If you've got that space, a liquid amber would be what I'd put in there. I've 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 went through a phase of of buying trees from my dad when I lived, when I worked at Wisley, and he's got a liquid amber there, a scarlet oak, um, snake bark maple, all sorts of lovely things that they they demand a large area to appreciate them. And yeah, yeah, it's the liquid amber. I, I went there the other day. And it looks stunning. So lovely trees. Yeah, and we wanted to talk a bit more about autumn colour because I don't think it's something that is appreciated until it happens in some ways. Mm. Because one thing that happens during the gardening year is everyone gets very focused on colour, but as flowers. And we're talking the sort of early, mid and then late summer blazes of flowers. And then suddenly the autumn comes and people then just suddenly realise that actually you can have this fourth period of intense colour, but no mm. one really plants for it. Uh, you know, it, it may be the odd plant that uh, it was put in, uh, maybe a hydrangea, some hydrangeas colour really nicely, and suddenly they realise how good it looks in autumn. And then you think about, oh, maybe I should try and put some more stuff in, but it's never something that's on your shopping list, first thing. You're always looking for the, the spring and and summer yeah, displays. That's very true. So we wanted to bring a bit more love to autumn displays and the fact that it extends your display in the garden till, you know, all the way till now, till the end of November into December. Because um, mm. I, I know a lot of our podcasts coming up are going to be talking about the fact that garden never really sleeps. There's still lots to do in winter. But it's the same with the displays. You could get good displays all the way up to Christmas sometimes if you pick and choose your planting correctly oh definitely it's another dimension isn't it i think it, as you say we're, we're we're obsessed with the flowers which is you know rightly so they are wonderful things but leaves are another dimension to a plant that um in themselves i think the what i love about autumn leaf color is it's it's transient it changes all the time you don't get that with flowers so much i mean there's a few that maybe age and do something you know slightly subtle but with autumn color leaf color it's in your face, it's it's like you say, blazing. That word blazing is so often used to annotate um as you say, the, the autumn colour that and the, the the flames and the and the heat and just the the all out sort of like burning, beautiful um display that these plants give you. And as I say, it ch- it changes so so much. It can ch- it can change with um the weather, but also the variety and obviously you know from day to day. So it's it's a very special thing that shouldn't be underestimated, definitely. And it's the size, isn't it, as well? Because as much as you want to get in as much flower colour, you have to have massive beds to get the same amount of colour that you can get out of just one tree, at, mm. you know, at Stonelands or East Donland. You can have 30 metres uh, trees that, like you say, look like they're on fire and, and glow as well. And also they, they do change colour during the day because the light 
at this time of year is so low and changes from morning to the evening, the actual tree colour subtly changes, especially in those low light periods, first thing in the morning and last thing at night, the dusk areas. A backlit leaf, oh my goodness, gets gets me going. It's quite... It's quite spectacular, and and I think that's why photographers love this sort of time of year as well, because of mm. those different changes in light, but also the colours they bring out of the garden. So, um, so what we what we wanted to do was talk to you about a few of our favourite uh, trees or shrubs that we think, if you want to go out and buy uh, buy something to make the autumn as fiery or as buttery as uh, as we we love it then hopefully a few of these trees might be good suggestions we're going we're going to talk about big trees but also going to talk about small trees as well if you've got a yeah. a smaller patch than say stonelands or east donlands i was just going to say that actually you know this is um i know we, we we are keep pushing that there are practical jobs to do in in the garden in winter and planting is one of them so hopefully what we're wanting to do is inspire you with um the the list that we're putting together here and then you could these could make excellent Christmas presents for the green-fingered uh, person in your life, or if you want to put them in your own garden, or you're working, you know, put them towards your your employer. Um, Any time from now, from November through up until March, is good planting time for all the for deciduous mm. plants. And these, by their nature, with autumn colour, mostly are deciduous, aren't they? So. Yeah, no. So it is a good time to get yeah. out there and actually plant plant trees. I know yes. we've got loads to plant at Stonelands, but um, yeah. Yeah, another job for you to do in winter. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll kick off. I've, I I um, have remembered quite a lot of these from my days at Wisley because the the woodland gardens there had some very um, dainty plantings to them, as well as massive big specimen trees. And when one uh, shrub that I remember seeing and falling in love with was, with the, was Fothergilla Major. Um, which is oh, in yes. which hazel family. It's very similar. And when you see the flower structure, you can see why it is actually a member of the, the Hamamelis uh, family. Um, they're like sort of like tufty bottle brushes, but the Fothergilla will flower, unlike the witch hazel, this flowers in the spring and the flowers are creamy white. They have a light scent. It's not so much about the scent. It's more about the, the visual. Um, but the autumn leaf color is just delicious again you know you can get strong reds and yellows and oranges in the autumn um and the great thing about these plants is they're not too big you know a a small to moderate sized garden could easily accommodate a fothergilla they get to maybe two three meters tall they're slow growing they're they're happier in sun if you can get that you'll get a better leaf color there's there's definitely a um two parks with the autumn colour you get some plants that actually are natural woodlandy plants that do like a bit of shade others do actually really appreciate the sun mm. and that will really accentuate the the hues of the of the leaf colours and for the does does prefer a bit more sun if you want to get those really strong colours and um a moist acidic soil if you have it would be great uh if you don't it's as long as you're not over shallow chalk i think you'd be okay that would be the, the thing I would recommend. So um, a lovely little, like I say, it's not really a tree. It's more of a shrub, isn't it, really? And yeah. just lovely spring colour. And then, like I say, autumn, a real blaze. In that similar family, there's um, also parotia, which is the mm. uh, Persian ironwood, which is very similar. But the leaves go yellow instead of a red. So that's just a good pairing. Yeah. That and the fothergilla would be, look really nice. Oh, delicious, nice. yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to kick off with my probably my number one uh, autumn colour tree which is Acer rubrum October Glory Um, now there are lots of trees that go red fiery red but there's not many that go 
so luminous red that the red filter on your camera cannot pick it up well <laughs> enough to define the leaves. And it just looks like a big red blob. It's quite hard to pick up. Mm. It's an amazing, it's an amazing tree. Um, nice thing is it's a small tree. Uh, it'll get about to eight metres. That doesn't sound small, but that is small for, for a tree. And it actually forms quite a nice shaped canopy, which is also a nice thing. So it's actually quite a good tree um, as a specimen in the middle of a lawn or, or away from other plantings. And like I say, it just goes this absolutely brilliant red. And it does it in October, um, hence the name. Uh, so last two weeks in October. So uh, that's a definite one that I would plant in all gardens if I had the chance. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Um I, I'm going to refer to something that we have growing at East Dunnerland Hall, which is actually not where I'd expect it to be growing either. It's, been, it's something I've inherited. It's a Vitis cognetiae, and it's actually growing on the north side of our swing pool garden. So right. this is a vine. It's, it's a grapevine. It's an ornamental grapevine. The fruits that it does produce, they are edible, but they're tiny and black and, and, and not palatable, really. So it's not really grown for its fruit. It's grown for its ornamental value. The leaves are... They're almost like listed a bit like a savoy cabbage and they're massive. They're massive, big, um, heart shaped leaves. The lobes on them are quite shallow. So it's more of a, um, it's not a finely cut leaf like some grapevines can be, some ornamental species, but it's a, a, a really beautiful foliage plant for the, the summer. And then in the autumn, oh my goodness, these leaves, the colors they change to, mm. what they do, which I think is impressive for, for a grape is that the veins, change to a different leaf color than the rest of the, the leaf so in between the veins you'll get purples and reds and eventually oranges but then actually within the veins themselves they predominantly green and then they go to yellow and then they might change to pink and the contrast of that with the rest of the leaf is so striking absolutely striking and as i say we, at donaland we have this growing against a shady wall and i thought well of grapes by their nature they don't like shade but this one's happy and also leaf color by its nature would be more accentuated in, on a sunny wall mm. but actually i can i can confirm that actually on the north wall it's it's absolutely fine and it still produces a spectacular display and with grapevines they can be as big or as little as you like i have seen one at Wisley that was growing up through it was by howard's field in right at the far end of that and it was growing right into a massive big willow tree it looked lovely the one we had at the hall stands no more than 10 foot tall it's just laid out against a brick wall so if for big gardens small gardens it's it's one size fits all yeah they do look good growing through trees mm. i've seen them like that in many a garden especially evergreen trees actually i've seen them growing through because then you get that backdrop of the like the dark oh, evergreen yeah. leaves and then these smacks of color and like you mm. say it tends all the way at the plant it can be yellows to reds and then back to greens so it gives a really nice contrast it's a kaleidoscope isn't it, isn't it that one um so the yeah. next tree i'm going to talk about is a classic another one of these classic autumn trees uh which is uh nissa um most mm. people will know nissa sylvatica which is probably the most common but there's actually another species nissa sinensis which is a far superior autumn color um Again, just an, a bit like the Acerubrum, just an absolutely really intense red-purple colour. Um, and also keeps its leaves quite 
uh, for a period of time, which is which is quite handy with autumn colour because there are some trees, like I've just already said, with the amelanchis and the cornus mass that can drop their leaves quite quickly, especially if you get just even a bit of gust of wind. So it's always nice to have a tree which will keep its leaves uh, on for as long as possible so you can enjoy the display. Now, the nice thing with nissas is you can grow them in very wet soils. They're, they're actually from uh, more boggy lands, um, so they can actually have their roots in quite damp areas. So you can grow them by ponds or lakes, and they'll, they'll appreciate it. Again, a reasonably small tree, only 10 metres, uh, and it forms quite a nice sort of uh, triangle canopy. If you were to draw a tree when you were young, that's probably one of the shapes you would draw, that sort of triangle shape. Yeah. But um Absolutely gorgeous tree. And I've seen them growing uh, as a big mass, uh, sort of uh, 10 or so in a big clump, and they look just amazing. They have nice skirts, don't they? That's what we could say. Nice a skirt. nice That's skirt. That's it. The skirt comes down, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be slightly controversial because I'm sure there's some people that actually would say this plant's a bit of a curse, and I will address that. But for me, Stagshorn sumac, the roof typhina, is actually a very lovely plant for autumn colour. It does have an Achilles heel, so we'll talk about that too. But um, before I worked at the hall, I did do a little gardening round and one of my customers had this in their garden. And in the autumn, I'd walk through the gate. The garden was a good 150 foot long. I'd walk through the garden gate. This sumac would scream at me as soon as I walked through the gate. And it was literally probably about 100 foot down the bottom of the garden. It's vivid vivid red in the autumn it's it's the the pinnate leaves uh, again with that i think that that is giving an extra dimension to the autumn leaf color because because the leaves are that shape they really pinprick the skyline they're just gorgeous things um that it does sucker that is the downside of sumac i know there's probably other roots and i I wonder if you saw could maybe mention species that maybe don't sucker quite so much i don't know i I know that this this sumac is one that say say if the main plant dies off if you've had a mature specimen in your garden it's been behaving itself and then something whacks it back and it suffers um and that main plant dies it will sucker like crazy and that's yeah or if you have them in the lawn and you keep nicking the roots with the lawnmower then you'll get suckers coming up but to me i do find that some plants with that suckering habit are useful if i want to create a thicket of something a big at the back of a border that the border's not too precious i i want to kind of like coppice things down you can actually make the the sumac sucker and create a thicket for a jungly exotic style border i think that actually as a look is really attractive so i they every plant has its place doesn't it yeah, so definitely. so stags sumac to me still very worthy of being in my list of good autumn colour plants. You know, I know there's some varieties of sumac out there that may sucker less than others. The key is get your mm. spade out. If, if you don't want it to sucker, like you say, when it does sucker, it can make these nice glades and actually look really super, mm. especially in autumn. But if you don't want, just yeah. get the spade out and, and get them out quickly uh, before they get too big and they turn into trees and they're really hard to do. But um, it's just about yeah. making yeah. sure you get hold of them early. Um, so the next one I want to go to is actually a shrub and it's probably something everyone has in their garden or or I know uh, a lot of people do and that's the old smoke bush where Cotinus cogigera which is Mm -hmm. a it's quite common I know I know I know some people think maybe it's too common but it is a superb plant and not just for autumn color when it's flowering it can look amazing but 
For autumn colour, there are some really, really nice varieties that will go really deep, sumptuous maroon and purples mm. and reds and sort of give you that sort of plum colour, sort of which is a nice sort of juxtaposition to the more fiery reds that you can get um the two varieties that i can think of for the tomahead head are grace grace is probably the, the the pinnacle and there's also one called royal purple which is gives you that more maroon plum color but um it's a really nice shrub for filling in the back of a border as well because it's quite dark colors it throughout the year they generally um develop into these purple colors they actually make a really mm. good backdrop for yeah. Those herbaceous plants that give you the more fiery colours and the, and the flowers that you want, and then the cogagira, the uh, the cotinus will come through towards the end of the season. Um, also, a really nice plant that if you can get the sun behind it, and this is probably more for when it's flowering and where it gets its name, this smoky sort of halo. If you get the sun behind it and it's shining through, that really gives you a big impact. So. Uh, a really nice plant probably for the smaller garden as well and um, there are so many varieties out there with different colouring types that I think there must be a smoke bush for everyone. Well this is what I always mentioned I referenced it right at the start that I've got some in my garden that are still going on now and now we're way way into late November and Grace is in my garden. I I absolutely love her, she's cute her habit is quite unusual because the the, um, royal purple is is definitely produces like you say a, a real profusion of stems whereas Grace has got quite a lax habit she'll produce fewer stems but they'll flail around in the air and they're quite an interesting um thing to deal with and i when we were at high tour i don't know if you remember me pointing it out to you they'd got some there that were more mature than mine and they'd pollarded them quite high up right so they'd actually got they and then they'd almost yes. got it like a like a miniature standard tree yes, I remember. I thought, oh that's a good way of doing it so but she honestly the colors are amazing and because the stems are quite high up because there's fewer of them in my garden like you say when they're backlit in that evening sun oh wow they just look stunning absolutely stunning so so i can definitely confirm that one i'll very quickly go through one because um uh, uh this is a cheat um i it's the cause, Kutsura tree, which is Circe the phylum Japonicum. I just want to mention this because it's a bigger tree, so it's not for everyone's garden. It's maybe 15, 20 metres at maturity. It's slower growing, so it would take a while to get there. And you can get the multi-stem, which would keep the height lower. But what I love about this tree is its smell. It does have a wonderful autumn colour of like um, the buttery yellows, and it will go into orange and eventually red. But it's yes, the smell, it's smell. When, it gets, mm. when it gets frosted. If anyone has not smelt this tree, I, I urge you to find a garden nearby to you that's got an example of this tree in it. There's nothing like it. It smells of candy floss yep. when it gets frosted. And it's a really strong smell. It's not like a, ooh, you know, when people say, oh, this vegetable tastes like spinach. It doesn't. Um, this really strongly smells of candy floss. And it's a, it's astounding. I never understand how nature can create all these wonderful things to kind of like tantalize and surprise us so if you can find a katsura tree in your locality get a frost go and stand in there sniff the air you'll be blown away you might smell it before you see it it's it's one of those it's one of those trees where the smell is stronger sometimes the further you get away from the tree and therefore people don't relate the Mm. smell to the tree so people sort of uh, i i know we grew one at uh, the old national trust property i worked at anthony and uh, you could smell the the katsura tree in the courtyard but you went up to it and you couldn't when you were sniffing the leaves you couldn't smell it it's it's quite it's a very interesting um tree and like you say it just it's it's just beautiful isn't it it's it's, especially where it wafts 
on a warm on a warm autumn night wafting towards you. It's it's just lovely. Well, Colin Crosby this introduced me to this tree. He was the woody superintendent on at Wisley when I was there, and we did a, a, a tree trial and walk around the garden. And he was the one who was hosting the the, the walk around, and he introduced me to that tree. And I was like, wow, it just mind blowing. So thank you, Colin, if you're listening. <laughs> well, we're coming to the end, but we really want to, you know, extol the virtue of some of these plants to extend the garden season and maybe think beyond borders and flowers one of the great things is you only need one or two or maybe three of these plants to actually Mm. make an amazing like I say because they're larger the displays more in your face and it's well worth trying to get different types of texture and foliage and color that contrast with each other to give a really nice display so choose a red choose a yellow choose an orange and then maybe like you're saying you could have one as the climber that the vine yeah and then uh, maybe a smoke bush and then maybe a, a small standard tree going up but um it is really worth thinking about autumn color as part of your overall garden display for the whole year We've reached the end of today's episode and we sincerely hope that you found it informative and entertaining. If you'd like to leave us a review via your podcast provider, we'd be delighted to know your thoughts. While many aspects of the garden year are behind us, there are still plenty of horticultural milestones to mark. So Saul and myself are eager to bring you yet more valuable episodes of the Talking Heads podcast. We're also keen to visit those iconic gardens, large and small, of our peers and friends. With this in mind, you can look forward to an autumn packed full of interviews, road trips, practical advice, and of course, mine and Lucy's opinions on all manner of wide-ranging horticultural topics. We want to ensure that our listeners are kept up to date with what any self-respecting head gardener needs to know. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Goodbye!